we can create or recreate the world and make it a world without war. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners, saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so now that we have put our faith in Him, Good morning, my dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. How are you doing? It's another day, another day to receive our blessings, our share of blessings from our Father in heaven, who is our not only our Father, He's our friend, our Creator, one who truly loves us with an everlasting love, one who desires for all of us, his children, to learn to trust him, to depend on him for everything, who also wants us to share what he's offering, the gift of salvation in Christ to the others, to other people, our friends, our relatives, and the world at large. So let's continue then to learn uh, from the Bible what our Father is teaching us to do, and let us, my dear friends, commit ourselves to putting these things into practice. That's my prayer. Shall we pray? Father, that's our prayer. Help us not just to be hearers of the Word, but to do it, to put it into practice for the glory of our Father in Heaven, and our Savior Jesus Christ, for the glory of His church, for the benefit of, his, of this world, for the benefit of those who are close to us and those who are far away, our relatives, our friends, and those who are in, in distant places. May we be responsible for taking this gospel of Jesus Christ even to the ends of the earth. This we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. Now our reading this morning is drawn from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. And this is what the word of the Lord says. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in, is, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, 
not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? So our message this morning really is a message of reconciliation. Peace and reconciliation. We talked about peace last Sunday and we've been considering this matter of, um, of, of, of peace in the context of, of what is happening in the world today. And so we, 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 cannot, uh, we cannot really say enough about peace, the need for peace and reconciliation. So let's once again then look at this subject and pray that God will really make us people who are willing to be sent to bring this message to the ends of the earth. So what is the world like this morning? What is in the news? What is in the headlines? It is the continuing war, most definitely. It will be other things, of course, but primarily I'm interested in the into an, uh, the ongoing war between uh, Israel and, and Palestine. So this war continues unabated. People, uh, it, it, it continues to kill people and to destroy livelihoods, property, roads and um, housing, uh, housing projects and, and I mean people where, where people live and schools and churches and mosques and other businesses, everything is being blown out of existence by bombs. In the process of this war. And what is so sad is that uh, the, the com those who are involved in this war have their, have their supporters. And the supporters are cheering and not only that they are also providing i mean arms and weapons to continue the war to continue killing to continue destroying and causing misery and mayhem all over the war began as as, as a war between two neighboring nations but now the countries are either directly or indirectly involved at any rate, it is an, I mean, it, it's really a, a, a proxy war between, between two superpowers. I mean, at the end of it all, there's America on one side and there's Russia on the other. Meanwhile, other nations are declaring their support for one side or the other. The fact that a great number of people have died, including children, including babies, no soldiers, not those who are not the combatant, combatants, but children, pregnant mothers, sick people, uh, you know, in hospital. Are, 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 are the ones who are dying most of, and who have died most of uh, anybody else. 
civilians, people at work, people in their houses. No. And there is no place to hide because even the, the, the place of, places of refuge that were allocated to those who are leaving their homes have also been bombed. Now, Prophet Isaiah described a situation similar to what we are talking about. He said they don't know where to find peace or what it means to be just and good. They have mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. Isaiah chapter 59. In the face of the, of the wars, because there are many wars going on in the world, and the threat of escalation involving more, more nations. And the threat also of introducing and using more lethal weapons. Tell me, my friends, where in the world can innocent people find peace today? Where can they find justice? Where can they find a safe heaven where they can shield, where they can hide? My friends, the beginning of the Bible tells us that God created his own human beings in his own image and likeness. And furthermore, he created them for the purpose of living with God forever. In peace, in tranquility, in prosperity, lacking absolutely nothing. Furthermore, God made it clear in his law that human life is sacred. It was sacred then and it is sacred now. And therefore, there is a specific law in, in God's you know, Ten Commandments that criminalizes the shedding of human blood, the killing of people irrespective of the kind of people they are. Killing another human being is, is, is unlawful. You shall not murder. Some, some, some versions say, do not, you shall not kill. Attenuated means you shall not take the life of a fellow human being. That being the case then, tell me my dear fellow Christians, and all men and women of goodwill on earth, what justification is there? What justification is there for the deaths that are occurring now in the current war and those which have occurred in previous wars? And tell me, my, my, and tell me something else. What is the right Christian attitude towards war? And what should be the Christian attitude to war, to violence, to the death penalty in our judicial system, to abortion, to euthanasia, and by biotechnology? Euthanasia is, 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 is what we 
which is also called mercy killing. That is, I mean, a person who is at the point of death, but he's taking long to die, like a very sick person. One who has no, 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 no chances whatsoever of recovering. They're in pain. And they're going to die anyway. Euthanasia is killing these people one way or another in order to end their misery. This, of course, is wrong. It is considered to be murder. But what is the view of a Christian about this? Letting that person die, for instance, by withdrawing medicine or squeezing their neck or something? What about the use of living organisms for experiments, scientific experiments, whether they are animals or plants or human or, 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 or organisms? Is it right? Is it proper? At this point, let me just say this, because I'm asking, what is a Christian attitude? Muhammad Ali, I think, I think um, most people would know Muhammad Ali, the, the former and the late world heavyweight boxing champion. In his younger days, in the, in the, I don't know if the 70s or 80s, um, in, the, in the heat of the Vietnamese war, but Ali became a Muslim and um, he refused to be drafted into the army or conscripted into the American army and go to fight in Vietnam. He, he refused even though the law demanded that he, he do that. And so he was charged in court and sentenced to life in, in prison and also, um, and, and also, also fined heavily. He paid the fine, but he escaped the jail term after he appealed in a court of law. Now, Muhammad refused to go and fight on the basis of his newly found Islamic faith. And he asked, why should I go and kill those innocent Vietnamese? What have they done to me? They have not done me any wrong. Why should I kill them? Um, and my question remains, what do Christians think about these things? What does the Bible teach? And what is the Christian position about creating, ki killing another human being, whether in a time of war or in a time of peace? Is it ever morally right to engage, to engage in a war in the very first place, for any reason whatsoever. Is it morally right to engage in a war? Can a Christian? I mean, this is a second, this is again, uh, same question about, uh, can a Christian then get involved in a, in a war and actually get involved in killing people and maiming them and destroying property and, and all that? Is there any justification whatsoever for taking someone else's life? Now, the world and the philosophers of this world, 
have invented an excuse for war, and they call it the just war theory. Actually, it was, first of all, um, introduced or proposed by a, a Christian in the old, in the early centuries of, of, this, of, the, of the church history, St. Augustine. And to him and uh, what the world uh, believes now is that the world, uh, is that war is justifiable in certain circumstances, in certain circumstances, or if certain circumstances are justified. Basically, the, the, some of the reasons or justification is that it is the, it is the best option available and it is justifiable also if uh, the war is conducted in a humane manner. In other words, the killing and the destruction will be done in a humane manner, whatever that means. And all these arguments, these two arguments are based on what is called the just war theory. The just war theory. Does this war theory apply to Christians? That's my question. Was St. Augustine right to present this as, you know, part of the Christian faith? And is it proper and right for Christians to believe in it and practice it today? Again, I must then ask, what did Christian, what did Jesus actually teach about revenge? What about turning the other cheek? Is just war theory biblical? Is it Christian? My personal view is, no, it is not. But then what is Christian and biblical is the opposite of the just war theory. It is a just peace theory. This particular theory for peace was developed by Christians, I think in the 1970s or 80s, in a bid to respond to the ever-increasing threat of a nuclear war, and also to answer the question, what steps should we Christians take to prevent war? What practices make for peace, in other words? The just peace theory incorporates some of the teachings of Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, as well as some of the writing of uh, St. Paul in the book of Romans. Basically, Christians should support nonviolent direct actions as exemplified by Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. I have already mentioned these two uh, in the past. And also uh, uh, as exemplified by South Africa, South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Peace and reconciliation for the common good of us all. Number two, Christians 
should take their own independent initiatives to reduce the threat of war. Number three, Christians should make cooperative peace and reconciliation initiatives. In other words, Jesus, you know, for instance, Jesus commanded that when there is anger, Christians should drop everything else. When there's disagreement well, between a Christian and somebody else, we should drop everything else we are doing. We should even leave our sacrifices on the altar and go, be, and, and, go and be reconciled with a brother, with a sister, with people or person with whom we are in disagreement or in, with whom we, you, you know, have quarreled. Then you can come back and offer your sacrifice to God. Because what is that sacrifice for anyhow? It's not part of our thanksgiving to God for saving us, for reconciling us to himself. Number four, Christians should learn to acknowledge and take responsibility for their conflict, you know, for the conflict or for the injustice that is causing conflict and war. In other words, we should learn to admit our wrongdoing and seek repentance and forgiveness. This method uh, is what was used in South Africa, which I've already mentioned. And Jesus did say this, did he not? That it, 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 he said it is hypocritical for us to judge others when we are actually doing the same thing they are doing. In other words, you know, do not point at the at a speckle, particle of dust in somebody else's eye while you are ignoring the plank in your own eye. First of all, remove the plank in your eye so that you can best see the dust particle in someone else's eye. So, friends, the right thing for Christians, therefore, is to first confess our sins, our own sins. Then we can deal with the sins of other people. Number four, as far as it depends on you. The book of Romans says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Let us make these things part of our lives and practice them. They are not just academic thing, I mean, uh, pronouncements. And so if we do this, my friends, I believe this is a promise of the Bible, this is a promise of God, that we can expect a world without war. We can create or recreate the world and make it a world without war. Now the Sermon on the Mount and other teachings of Jesus Christ represent the moral and the ethical values of his kingdom. Christians are expected to practice these values in everything they do and also teach others to do likewise.
as ambassadors of Christ, which is what our reading today says we are, so as ambassadors of Christ, or ambassadors for Christ, Christians are to represent his government and promote the values of his kingdom on earth and wherever we are in the world. Peace and reconciliation at the top of his agenda. Love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemy as well. Do not resist an evil person but turn the other cheek. All this amounts to promote peace and reconciliation. That, is, that was Christ's business when he died on the cross to reconcile the world to himself. So let us be promoters of peace and people who are engaged in reconciling others to, I mean, to, to, in case of disagreement, but principally also share the gospel that others may be reconciled with God. Now at his second coming, at his second coming, Jesus will overthrow the unjust kingdoms of, uh, of the world. And he will inaugurate his own personal kingdom and government on earth, which will last for a period of thousand years. This will be a golden age of world without war, a world with peace unlimited. For a world, for a world that has never known peace since Adam's sin and man's fall. For a world that only knows war and not peace. For a world that knows only about terrorism and global warming, natural disasters, could anything else, could anything be more desirable than a thousand years of peace and tranquility? According to prophet Isaiah, under the reign of Christ, the earth will be a paradise on earth. Even wild animals will not kill people anymore. Even snakes will not bite anymore, uh, poisonous snakes. And uh, there will be no war anymore. Even the weapons of war will be converted to agricultural implements. Can we dream of uh, such a world in our world today? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. If we have faith in Jesus Christ. So here's our challenge, my friends. I'm challenging every person who calls himself a Christian, or who is a Christian, to know that God is not just involved in saving us so that we can go to heaven. God is also involved in reconstructing his world, which, which is a fallen world now because of sin. In other words, when we get saved, it is a process towards the creation of a new world. For we were told that at the coming of Christ, the current world, with all its filth, will be wound up like a piece of paper. Will be 
crushed like a piece of paper and a new world will be created the home of righteousness and peace can we dream of a time when people will live at peace with one another when people will not die but live long that is what god is get is that's a project that christ began that is a project that christ is inviting each one of us to get involved in in a practical manner not philosophically not intellectually let us each person commit ourselves today to broker peace to first of all to reconcile with anybody with whom you are at loggerheads and be also promoters of peace and reconciliation where you are at place of work where you live in, the, in your neighborhood and world at large that is the commission of god our god's concern should be his con- god's concern should be our concern let's go and rescue the perishing as god uh, uh, as his ambassadors let us know that ambassadors are actually messengers of peace to the world that my friend is our message that is our call to action let us again not be hearers of the word but practical doers of the word itself and may god bless you amen father in the name of jesus your word is clear the message is clear help us all me included to commit ourselves from this day henceforth to be involved not just in the work of evangelism but also in addition be involved in the in in the business of bringing about peace and reconciliation in the world in your name and i pray this in the wonderful name of jesus christ our loving savior amen this book is just tremendous we have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted if god had not breathed into adam's nostrils adam would have remained just a lump of dust how should we then treat the bible all of us are sinners and saved only by grace for worship we were created and for worship we should ever live jesus died for our sins and so now that we have